2 Peter 2, beware of false teachers. We've been studying the warning of false teachers from 2 Peter chapter 2. And we will start in verse number 9. We covered verse 9 last week, but in order to just kind of get a little bit more context, we'll start in verse 9. It says in verse 9, 2 Peter 2 and verse 9, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are in blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. We'll stop there. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, I thank you for an opportunity to preach your word. Thank you for the clarity of that. I pray for your power. I pray for forgiveness of sin and that you would empty me of self. Lord, I pray that we would see just how serious you take the truth. I pray that we would see how important it is it is for us to know the word, for us to walk in the spirit, for us not to be self-willed. Lord, I pray that we would know and have discernment on false teachers. God, we love you. Thank you for your kindness. Please help me during this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's important to see, first of all, as we're talking about these false prophets and false teachers, meaning they're teachers of lies, right? They're prophets or they are those who are teaching and leading in a perversion of Christianity. We began in verse number one, it says, but there were false prophets also among the people speaking in the Old Testament, even as there shall be false teachers among you, meaning currently. And so this whole chapter is really pronouncing judgment on these false teachers. And he's giving them a cluster of truth and behaviors so that they can identify these false teachers and they can be warned against them. 
To be honest with you, sometimes reading this chapter, it's a little bit shocking how strong the words are concerning these false teachers. I mean, it's, it's really shocking how much wrath God is heaping upon these people. But we have to realize that, first of all, these teachers are unconverted. They are not saved. And that's so important when we're looking at this chapter is to realize these are not saved people and they are taking the gospel message, modifying it to their own advantage so that they can make money and satisfy their sexual appetites both at the same time. That's what it's describing here. So they're doing these both things. They're taking the truth and they are they are uh, perverting it and they are modifying it for their own personal advantage. And it almost appears as if they're going off kind of scot-free. And so the light shines in the darkness. It reveals what these people are doing and what their ultimate judgment will be. And it's almost as if there are no holds barred, like there is no, nothing withheld from judgment for these individuals because they are knowingly taking the truth, fully knowing what they're doing and modifying it for their own lusts and their own advantage. They're not doing this out of ignorance. They're doing this fully knowing that they are twisting the truth for their own advantage. They have an external form of Christianity, but have never allowed God's word to change their hearts. The Bible says you must be born again. And when we trust Christ as our savior, our heart is different from that point on as we learned In the 10 o'clock hour, yes, we have the old nature. But we also have the new nature. We have both the old and the new. There are certain things that we can do to try to convince other people that we might be a Christian. We might be able to learn some of the words that Christians use. We might be able to kind of learn a little bit of our little, our culture that we have in church amongst Christians. We might be able to dress in such a way that when we come into church, everybody recognizes, hey, they're comfortable being in this kind of a group versus, hey, we dress a certain, some people dress a certain way when they're going to a nightclub or they're dressing a certain way when they're going to this event or that event. Generally, Christians will dress in a particular way when they come to a church service. And so they've learned the externals of Christianity, but they've never truly accepted Christ as their savior. And they've learned enough of the truth so that they can then use it to make financial gain and to pursue their sexual appetites. They know the right words to say. They know how to look. They know how to smile. They know how to talk. But they are not truly born again. This is why when the Bible says in 2 Peter 2, and I just want to set this straight as we dig into some of the words uh, that, that are uh, 
that we'll see here today. If you look again at verse number one, the Bible says, there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. So the Lord bought everyone. He purchased everyone's salvation. So as we're looking at this and we're seeing the judgment that's pronounced upon them, please do not be confused that when we see the judgment pronounced on these people that we think that somehow they've lost their salvation. That is not the case whatsoever. The Bible is very, very clear that when we receive the free gift of salvation, that we have eternal life. We have been given the gift of everlasting life. And while we can still make mistakes and sin, something is different inside of us. Now we have the desire to run away from the sin. Whereas we can see from the passage in the description of these false teachers, their desire is to modify the truth and pursue their sin. It's not going against their conscience. It's not going against their new nature because they don't have this new nature. And so it's very important when we look because there will potentially be some false teachers that might would use this kind of passage and say, you must be very careful not committing sin as a safe person because you could lose your salvation and become like one of them. That is not what it's saying. That is not what it's saying. And he gives an example of that when he's talking about Lot, where he talks about how he had vexed his righteous soul, but he was genuinely saved. So it goes on to describe in verse number 10, these false teachers, and we'll look at these in just a moment, but just a quick review The few things that we've looked at already on how to identify false teachers is, first of all, they are not correct on the deity of Jesus Christ. This is really the first question that you should ask yourself when you are looking to listen to a teacher or a preacher. YouTube, podcast, they've got a new book out. Uh, They're speaking at this big church down the road and they're super famous. Uh, They're on the news. Sometimes they're on certain news networks. Uh, for various reasons, uh, they've made a new movie, on and on and on and on it goes. The number one question that we have to ask ourselves so that we don't learn a twisted version of Christianity that results in confusion is, first of all, what do they believe about the deity of Jesus Christ? Do they believe that he is very God in the flesh who died for the sins of mankind, was buried and three days rose bodily from the grave? Do they believe that? That is the number one acid test that we ask ourselves. 1 John 4 verses 1 through 3, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because... Many false prophets are gone out into the world. Okay, let me just say this. Don't become experimental in your spirituality. Let me say that again. Don't become experimental in your spirituality. 
Oh, they've got, matter of fact, they advertise it here in the building. They have meditation classes from a Buddhist guru. I think I'm going to go try that out. Why would you try that out? It might help. You're trying to say that the truth of God's word doesn't help. Jesus promised us peace. Amen. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, how do you know you should be cautious? Do they believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ? In their teachings of spirituality? No, they don't. So that means I should take caution with new things I'm trying to introduce into my life in terms of spirituality. Well, I'm going to go take a mindfulness class. Why would you do that? It's Buddhism, my friend. Are we Buddhists? Are we going to take all these tenets of Buddhism and take it into Christianity and mix it all together and expect to have a recipe of peace? No, it doesn't work that way. Okay, we, we must be cautious in, in the multiculturalism that is today where so many, so many people don't want to completely give themselves to a religion. They want to be very experimental and they want to be the ones that decide what kind of spiritual experience. That's not faith. It will not result in peace because it's not true faith. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. The Bible says in 1 John 4 and verse 2 and 3, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth, that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of antichrist, antichrist against Christ, the enemy of Christ. Whereof ye have heard that it should come and even now already is it in the world. The first thing is we've got the deity of Jesus Christ. The next test is the authority of the scriptures for faith and practice. 2 Peter 1, 19-21, which is right here in the same neighborhood as the verses we're looking at today, says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. If I want to protect myself from false religion and false teachers, I need to, number one, the test of the deity of Christ. Number two, the test of the authority of the scriptures for faith and practice. This guy has a lot of really good things to say in terms of religion and spirituality, but he doesn't really believe in the authority of the scriptures. Well, according to the Bible, it is foolishness for us to go and listen to that person. Right? By the way, I, oftentimes I say he, but there's a lot of she's out there. Right? And in this passage, just talking about he's mostly, but both men and women can be false teachers. It's not just one or the other. Okay? And, 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 and it can be someone with a book, but can also be a close friend. Somebody at work that you have, have a friendship with, and they're like, oh, let me tell you what I do. And they start giving us all of these different things. Okay? And we'll, again, we'll, the, Bi- the Bible describes why we should use great caution in accepting these different ones. The next one we see is the protection of the local New Testament church. A Bible teaching, Bible preaching church will protect us from false teachers. 
Let's look at a verse real quick before we dive into our passage for today in 2 Peter 2. Ephesians 4, with me please. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Verse 14 is really the the verse we're going to look at. We could read many verses in this passage. It's describing the local New Testament Bible-believing and teaching church is what it's talking about. Just because something calls itself a church doesn't mean we should believe it, right? Doesn't mean we should go. All churches are not the same. Just because they mention the name of Jesus doesn't mean that we can trust it and that we should go there. What do they believe about the deity of Christ? What do they, where do they fall when it comes to the authority of and the accuracy of the scriptures? Those are the two biggest questions we need to ask before we decide to go to a particular place. But we also need to realize that God never intended for us as sheep to insulate ourselves 100% in the sense of, I can by myself live the full Christian experience and know what is good and what is not good. No, because the Bible says we can be deceived. It's not just unbelievers that can be deceived, friends. It's also believers. And so God has given us the, a local New Testament church so that we can use, so that we can protect ourselves from false teaching. The Bible says in verse number 14 that we henceforth be no more children, meaning uh, like immature Christians is what it's talking about. Tossed to and fro using uh, like an illustration here of someone in a boat. Of course, Israel's right there on the Mediterranean Sea. They're very familiar with these seafaring terms, right? And of course, in the Roman world, Roman ships, they went all over the place. Very familiar with these types of, with these types of term, these, these, these terms. Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine or of teaching, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. Notice the repetitious nature in the warning of these false prophets. The church has been given to us so that we can protect ourselves from false teachers. Why? So that when a new doctrine blows in, we're not like one of those plastic bags that's just, and we're gone. We're solid. We're safe. We're protected. The storms are howling out there and a new belief system and a new structure and a new doctrine and a new teaching and a new, everybody says, comes blowing across. And here it comes, very windy. And everybody who's not rooted and grounded in the deity of Christ, in the scriptures, and they're not rooted in a good Bible teaching church, they're carried about with every wind of doctrine. Some people's lives are so unstable. They live lives and they they complain about their anxiety as if some medication is going to fix the fact that they, they don't take any degree of wisdom in what kind of teaching they ingest. We've talked about this before. We live in a city where so many people are very, very cautious about what they put into their mouth and ingest in their body. What are the ingredients? Where does it come from? 
It's got to have a long genealogy of goodness and health and organic and this and that or another. Nothing wrong with that. But why would we be so cautious in what we eat in our physical body, but when it comes to what we believe spiritually, it's just, well, everybody's doing it. Well, everybody's doing it. Well, it sounds good. We've got to test it. We have to test it. We have to test it. Read the ingredients on the back, my goodness, of the things that we choose to follow and the things that we choose to believe. It's got 1.3 million views. It's got to be good. If there's that many views, there's a lot of lunatics that have 1.3 million views on YouTube. Amen. Uh, I, I, I'm not on TikTok, but I'm sure there's people on there that are talking about, you know, whatever kind of teaching and, oh, this guy's so good. You got to hear this guy or girl. What do they believe about the deity of Christ? Oh, they never talk about that. Oh, they're, they're a great spiritual teacher. Uh, how many verses do they use in their teaching? Oh, they don't use verses. Uh, if you compare what they said 10 years ago to what they're saying today, does it, is it consistent? Or are we following somebody who is also being carried about with every wind of doctrine? This world doesn't know what to believe until they check social media first. Is that a true statement or not? I don't know what I should be angry about until I've checked social media first. Oh, that's what we're angry about now. Okay, let's go be angry about this now. Next day. What are we angry about today? Oh, yesterday's anger is no good. We have a new thing to be angry about. And you guys are laughing because it's so true. Guys, you know what that kind of life is? That's exhausting. They take, they take the calculated addiction factor of social media and the little hits of endorphins you get when you get a like and a look and a this and a that and a reaction and this and a that. And, they, and, and then they slip in their weird little teachings. And then everybody's marching to the beat of this drum. We're all marching. We're all marching. We're all marching. Hey, how come you're not marching? I'm not on that particular social platform. Well, you should get on it. And you should be as angry as us. Why aren't you angry like us? Because I'm a Christian. Ah, that makes me angry too. Yeah. There ought to be a marked difference between a Christian and the peace that he or she carries in their heart. There should be a settledness. There should be something that we are. We are on a firm foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ and his scriptures. And from day to day, they don't change. He changes not. His word doesn't change. The church should not change, my friends. When did Baptist start? The Baptist is just the name. The beliefs that we subscribe to are the very ones that Jesus Christ himself taught. The name is not important. It's only important because we live in a crazy day and age where you need to put a name out front so that people know what you believe. By the way, a non-denominational church doesn't cut it for me. I don't know what they believe. And honestly, and not to be unkind, most of the time, they don't know what they believe. If you take the time to Google what the non-denominationals believe, 
It can be anything from extremely conservative and extremely biblical to whatever. We believe in happiness. Wind of doctrine, my friend. Happiness? We believe in love. What does that even mean if it's not defined by God's word? I'm being serious. Well, there's no denominations in the Bible. They try for that one. Jesus didn't die for me to be a part of a denomination. No, he died so that we could know the truth and the truth would make us free. And if we know that that particular denomination is defined by the truth of God's word, denomination or not, that's not the point. It's truth. What does the Bible actually say and where can I go to hear it said? At the church. Amen. Okay. I don't know if my voice is going to last, but we'll have a good time, eh? We'll try. Back in uh, 2 Peter. 2 Peter. The first thing that we see here when we're describing these false teachers, verse number 10, it says, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. So this is one of the, the nature of these false teachers And these are the three points I'm going to try to cover today. These false teachers, number one, they're all flesh powered, right? So when we're talking about walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit, we're talking about the power system of your life. Where does your power come from? Does it come from you can do it? Or does it come from I believe in Christ and he's helping me through this? There's one of those two things. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. That's flesh. If it constantly reinforces the fact that you can do it, that's flesh. If it's constantly reinforcing and magnifying Christ and Christ in me, the hope of glory, and that I can trust Christ and he can help me, and that Christ is, 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 is helping me every single day, he's my shield, he's my sword, he's my this, he's my that, that's spirit. We can see here that false teachers are marked by walking in the flesh. These false teachers walk after the flesh in the lust or desire of uncleanness. Uncleanness means, means polluted pleasures. They're carnal appetites. It can be uh, sexual. It can be other things. But they are powered by themselves and for themselves. They walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. We know we have done something in the flesh because it increases our faith in ourselves. If I've done something and I've achieved a victory and it reinforces, I am awesome. I've done that in the flesh. If I've done something and it reinforces my faith in God and God is awesome, I've done it in the spirit. Does that make sense? What is the power system that these teachers are pushing? You, 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 you. Isn't that what we hear all the time? We chant, people chant about that constantly. You are the power. We have the power. You are enough. No, we're not. If we were enough, we wouldn't even have to worry if we were enough. God is the almighty one. He is the self-sufficient one. We are not self-sufficient. It's taking the attributes of God and trying to apply them to yourself. 
God is not trying to beat yourself down. He's trying to exalt himself. You, we need to plug ourselves into the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says Galatians 5, 16. This I say, then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these manifest, meaning it's very open. This is in Galatians 5.19. Works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, notice, uncleanness, works of the flesh, uncleanness right here in 2 Peter 2 and verse number 10. Same thing, works of the flesh, uncleanness. lasciviousness, idolatry. I think that's my phone ringing. Uh, Witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. The saved should walk in the desires of God. The saved should walk in cleanness. They walk in the flesh of uncleanness. Look at the next one in verse 10. This is interesting, especially in light of what we see all over the news today. The next one says they despise government. False teachers despise government. Christians should not despise government. There's no such thing as a perfect government. The only perfect government will be when Christ rules and reigns on this earth. And even then, the lost will despise his government. The saved will love it, but the unbelievers will despise it. Right? What does it mean to despise government? One commentator said this. They regard all government. And by the way, this commentary uh, is written by a man named Albert Burns. Okay. And he died in 1870. He was alive from 1798 to 1870. So he wrote this many years ago. But as we're reading this and listening to what he's saying, it's almost as if he's observing our society today because the heart of human beings have not changed. It says they regard all government in the state or the the, the government, the state, the church and the family as evil. They regard all government as evil. They are advocates for the unbridled freedom of all sorts. Declaimers on liberty and on the evils of oppression. Defenders of what they regard as the rights of injured man. Oh my word, this sounds just like today. And yet secretly themselves lusting for the exercise of the very power which they would deny for others. 
They hate anybody being over them. They hate any form of government in the family, any form of government in the church, any form of government in the state or in, or in, 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 in the actual government of the country. They hate all of it. But what do they really want? They want to be the ones in charge so that they can be the ones that have everybody listen to them and obey them. They despise government because they're not the ones in charge. And when they do get in charge, they themselves become the very abusers that they were crying about in the beginning. We see that now, don't we, in this world? Every time you flip on the news, it's one or the other. We hate government or the government who's, who used to cry, we hate government. Now they're in government. They're the ones that are actually abusing people. Despise government. So what should the Christian do? Let's look at Philippians five, uh, Philippians 2. Notice it's talking about false teachers. So these false teachers would come into the church and constantly speak against the leadership of the church. In context, that's exactly what it's talking about. Nothing is ever good enough. They're not looking to help. They're not praying for. They're not looking to cooperate in any way. I can't believe. And did you see? And oh my goodness. And oh my. uh, 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 Despise, 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 despise. Cut down, cut down, cut down, cut down. What are they really wanting? They're wanting to exalt themselves to be the authority. It is not of Christ for us to go to work for us to go to church, for us to in the family, for us to in any organization constantly be looking to cut down the authority. It doesn't mean that we automatically need to zip our lip and do whatever we're told. There is a right way to address grievances. The Bible doesn't say just keep your lips shut. It doesn't say that. But there's a right way to do it. There's a Christian way to do it. And the primary thing here is they despise all the government. They absolutely hate being told what to do. And we'll see in just a moment where it says that they're self-willed. But look at the example of Christ, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Basically, the entire time Jesus had his earthly ministry, they were trying to kill him. And he avoided them when when he could, and he prayed, and he moved about the countryside in order to avoid. But ultimately, he was trusting in God. And this is kind of the contrast that we see here with these false teachers is they lead people to despise government and trust in themselves. They don't lead people into trusting in the Lord and dealing with controversy in a way that honors the Lord. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, There's a lot more that could be said on this topic. 
But Ephesians 5 and verse 1, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you, as become the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that, nor whore, that no whoremonger, nor unclean persons, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Notice verse number six. Again, the repetition in scripture is so loud and so powerful. This is how we know we are on the right track of truth is because God repeats himself over and over and over and over and over again. Why do we believe in the deity of Christ? Not because it's said one time, but because it's said multiple, multiple, multiple times. Why do we believe in the authority of scripture? Because it's said multiple, multiple, multiple times. Why do we need to be warned of, of false teachers and that they will lead naive people? Don't think of people that follow false teachers as all being lost people. Some of them are saved people. Otherwise, why would he be warning the saved people? He's warning them. And what do they lead to? This, this life of indulgence. This life of, that's not sin anymore. You can do whatever you want to do. God's love covers all. He won't tell you not to do anything that you genuinely want to do. False teaching. False teaching. False teaching. Some of them are found in church buildings. False teaching. Oh, pastor, that's not very loving. Is it loving to give people false hope? Is it loving to give people poison instead of medicine? Don't think of this as some kind of placebo thing where it's just a little sugar pill that kind of makes them feel better. A little brain trick to make them feel a little happy. No, 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 my friends. This is poison we're talking about here. Poison. You can go to jail nowadays for poisoning a cat. <laughs> and yet somehow we want to look at those who are spreading all of these false lies like, oh, it's probably okay. God's word tells us to beware. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye are sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. <clears throat> it goes on to say in 2 Peter, and we'll get to the last one. These false teachers, they're all flesh powered. They despise cooperation. Despise cooperation. You couldn't get them to cooperate. Their life depended on it. The answer is always no. There, look, there is, when we become a Christian, there is a softening of the heart where we are willing to cooperate. Not, not without thinking it through. The Bible wants us to think it through. Not without testing it out. The Bible wants us to test it out. Christianity doesn't make us naive. It makes us wise. This world is what is naive. This world says, no, 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 no. When they should be saying yes to things that would genuinely help them. Or they say constantly, yes, 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 yes. And they don't have any filter whatsoever as to what they're actually believing. 
God's word tells us, leave this out and put this in. And leave this out and put this in. That's the definition of a loving God. Isn't that what we do as parents for our infant children? No, no, don't eat that. Don't eat that. You constantly, when you're a parent of a small child, and a puppy too, by the way, amen. Uh, you constantly, when you're going around, you're always, your eyes are always scanning the ground to make sure there's nothing that they can pick up and inadvertently put in their mouth in a choking hazard, right? Constantly, uh, some, somebody accidentally dropped a candy wrapper. Man, I gotta pick that up. Uh, uh, th- there's a Lego. Oh my goodness. Is there anything more lethal these days than a barefoot stepping on a Lego? <laughs> right? Well, if you have an infant, it's not just a stepping on hazard. It's a choking hazard. Man, I got to pick that up. Right? Uh, every once in a while, we'll walk into a room and there's our little puppy dog. Content. Chewing on something. And the whole family knows. Kids too. What do you have? What do you have? Oliver. It's our puppy's name. Oliver, what do you have? And he kind of gives you that. I'm, I'm checking real quick with the guilty look. Isn't it funny how dogs have a guilty look? They have a guilty look. You have to check and make sure it's okay. God loves us more than we would love our own puppy dogs. He's not going to just allow us to go and grab a hold of some teaching or some thought or some book without saying, what do you, what do you have? What do you have? What are you reading? Look, friend, if I'm reading a book and it makes me uncomfortable to read the Bible, that is not a good book to read. If I'm listening to some kind of spiritual teaching and it makes me uncomfortable to read the Bible and also listen, that's not, that, is, that is not something I should be chewing on and ingesting in my heart. The Bible says, last one, we're almost done. Oh, lots of pages. Here we go. Presumptuous are they self-willed. They're not afraid to speak evil of dignities. We've kind of already covered the self-willed, kind of already covered the not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. Not even angels act in this particular way, and they're greater in might and power. Notice verse 12. But these as natural brute beasts, it's comparing them to brute beasts. It's not saying they are brute beasts, right? Just animals. But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed... Speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. And then it goes on and begins to describe in detail their fate. Now notice it says on our notes here. They're flesh powered, they despise cooperation, and they will suffer a fixed fate. So when it's saying that they're made to be, notice it says in verse number 12, these as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil. That's a comparison. It's not saying that these people were made or created by God to be destroyed. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that in their choices, they have gotten themselves in the category of those who will be judged by God one day. We choose our category. That's what this is teaching us here. We choose the category. 
God's justice has already fixed whatever the charges are, the crime, so to speak, with the punishment. It's predetermined. We choose what line we get into. So for example, if I, choose, if I hear the gospel and I get saved, now I have been predetermined to go to heaven. That's how we need to read the Bible. Why? Because I made the choice with my free will to trust Christ as my savior. So now God has pre-chosen those who have trusted Christ to go to heaven. If in my salvation, I choose to grow in grace and listen to God's word and pray and follow the Lord and come to church and I'm growing in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm making these choices of faith. God has predetermined that those who grow will have certain blessings in their life. If people decide, I'm going to reject the gospel, I'm rejecting Christ, I want to do things my way, God has pre-chosen that those people that make that choice will die and go to hell. He's pre-chosen that. You've got a special category right here of these false teachers. They know the truth. They understand the gospel. They choose not to trust Christ as their savior, but instead they choose to take the truth of God's word, modify it, come to those who are innocent and looking for hope. How wicked is this? They're looking for hope. The Bible says they promise them liberty. But instead, they give them more chains. These people have a special judgment reserved for them. It doesn't mean that they can't get saved. It means that if they die in that category, this will be their fate. This is what it means when we're talking about God's justice. He is a just God. God's love provides for deliverance from finding yourself in a category that deserves the righteous judgment of God. He does not say, you are saved, you are saved and fruitful, you are going to be a false teacher, and you are just going to be one of the average lost people that's going to die and go to hell, and I've pre-chosen all of these things. No, no, no. He's pre-chosen the categories of choices that we make. Does that make sense? That's how we need to read the Bible. That's how we need to understand the Bible. God has pre-chosen. And that way, there are no favorites with God. He's not showing favorites. He's kind and gracious to all. If we are truly looking for the truth, he will help us find that truth. We need to be warned that we will suffer a fixed fate. We need to be warned that they don't have something of value to share. It is better to just step back and say, no, thank you. I've determined that based on their position on the deity of Christ, their position on scripture, their position on the church. I'm sorry, I'm just not going to ingest any of that stuff. There is no value there. There is a truth in the word of God that will sufficiently and accurately and thoroughly meet the need that they promise they can help me with. False teachers give false hope. False teachers give false hope. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.